condition we are in, in the state of ignorance we are in, in the state of war, in the state of economic depression, in the state of depletion of the resources of our planet because of the greed of psychopaths who thought they could create their own reality. Well, look at the reality they created. You're listening to Behind the Headlines on the SOT Radio Network, the world for people who think. Hi, and welcome to Behind the Headlines on the SOT Radio Network. I'm Joe Quinn. I'm with me, as usual, <coughs> or my co-host, Neil Bradley. Hi, everyone. Harrison Keeley. Hello. And Alan Martin. Hi there. This week, Hillary is going to prison. <laughs> yeah. We have confirmed it through our anonymous source in the deep state. He's a, yeah, he actually works for the EPA. Yes. He is in possession of a bombshell memo. Bombshell memo slash document that is going to explode the entire Western Hemisphere. And via that explosion, Hillary will be launched directly into a maximum, <laughs> maximum security prison where she will be, spend the rest of her miserable life breaking rocks. Mm. Many of us will die in the process, but at least, you know, Hillary goes to prison. prison. That's the most important thing. Well, that's what a lot of people would like to hear. And in fact, that's what a lot of people are hearing on the internet over and over and over again. These days, it seems, particularly in the kind of rightist media, uh, if you want to, if you have a website and you're a right wing media site, uh, you must include some reference to some kind of bombshell document being released very soon directly as a result of the Mueller investigation or indirectly by a mis- as a result of a mistake by the Mueller investigation. Oh, oops, we actually want to do after Trump, but uh, look, we just indicted Hillary. Oops, that's, that's what you have to do if, you've got, if you're a right-wing website. You just basically publish a story saying, anticipating, premonitioning the demise of Hillary Clinton. Um, and the uh, vindication of, of Donald, our great leader Donald Trump. Uh, it's pretty sad. Um, and it doesn't really, while understandable, it obviously doesn't, um, it doesn't really get the, the nuanced and uh, much more complex nature of, of politics and the world and human nature and everything that's going on, and including the nature of the deep state. <clears throat> it simplifies it way down to basically telling people what they want to hear. Of course, I mean, it's bizarre. You know, if you think about it, that's what the people on the right are hearing when they're going to their websites and they're hearing that any minute now, it's all going to come crashing down. This witch hunt against Donald Trump is going to be over and Mueller is going to have to say, mea culpa, it was Hillary all along. She's going to prison. And on the on the left-wing uh, websites, what you hear is exactly the opposite. Um Trump is going to be indicted, removed from office, and Hillary is going to be put in his place, more or less, or something along those lines. Uh, you know, so you'd be, you'd be fully justified in just uh, feeling sometimes that you just want to switch off the internet. If you're the type of person who isn't interested in having your own biases confirmed uh, for you. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, 
Um, but for the rest of us who are interested in trying to figure out exactly what's going on and understand the whole situation more, and not just in terms of the headlines and stuff, but what's behind the headlines, hence the name of the show, um, it's, uh, you know, we still look at the internet, but, you know, it's, it's a struggle. <laughs> and it's, uh, it's, it's, it is a bit of a, a circus out there, by and large. Most of it is disinformation. And people are grasping at all sorts of straws to try and uh, hear what they want to hear. But anyway. Um, so what is this memo then? It's this four-page document written by Republican Congressman Devin Nunes. He's the chair of the House Intelligence Committee. And the House Intelligence Committee has been conducting a parallel, quote-unquote, Russia probe. Am I right there, guys? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, kind of oversight of uh, of the FBI and Department of Justice's um, right. investigation. Ongoing special counsel probe headed by Robert Mueller. Yeah. So the memo purportedly proves that intelligence officials abuse surveillance powers authorized under the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act, that's FISA, <clears throat> in the course of investigating Trump's campaign ties to Russia. Now, the, this House Intelligence Committee has the power to release the four-page document. But, yes, it has the power to do so, and there's a process, apparently a congressional procedure it must follow in order to do so. And apparently Trump has indicated that he would not veto it and he would agree to its release. But that's something the year it remains to be actually carried out. We'll see. That, that's, that's what they're saying the story is. Effectively, what's going on here? Nunes, Devin Nunes, has successfully manufactured basically a controversy designed to undermine Mueller's investigation into Trump's campaign connections, and he used FISA to do it. Mm-hmm. Now, there's nothing new about that, right? In itself, I, wrote, I think I wrote exactly you, that in, in an article in, in early, early December. Yeah. Okay. This is already a well-reported analysis of what has actually been going on in Washington. But it, it is potentially useful, right? You can see why there's a hoopla behind it, because it's potentially useful as a prop or a tool for ending Russia game. Right. Because it would be a kind of an official seal on what we've been saying for a good while now. And, and what, what everyone knows, it's not, you know, <clears throat> it's hardly top-secret stuff. Um now, so you've got the Democrats playing it down, oh, poo-pooing it. You've got the Republicans playing it up in, in anticipation of its release, possibly, assuming it happens. So it's about controlling the narrative whence it is released. And wh- why it is interesting and intriguing to, to at least keep an eye on it, if not, you know, get totally caught up on it, in it it's that <laughs> it's... It's funny to watch the Democrats losing this in real time because they are losing it, especially since they began attributing the popularity of the hashtag release the memo, mm. which is trending or was trending last week on Twitter, sure. to Russian bots. Yeah, it's, it's got <laughs> voted a public backlash. And it's got to beyond a joke like, you know, even have Chelsea Manning running now running for Congress and someone suggesting, the media suggesting that uh, this was a Russian operation. I mean, it's... And this is what we say about the internet, how it's difficult to watch it, to look at what's going on. And by the internet, I mean mainly the, the mainstream media and what they put out on the internet and then the other theories that come up with 
with with uh, non mainstream websites left and right. It's just uh, it's nonsense, you know, and nonsense gets tiresome, you know, and it's difficult to try and find the small grains of of truth or, or valuable information in, in a massive pile of nonsense that is the internet. Um, we can see why it's attractive, though. What? What? Why this is an attractive scheme? Because um, it is. It basically sides with Trump, mm-hmm. and is a means to end or to right. completely, completely delegitimize or just right. make a mockery of right. Russiagate. In the absence in of a very public mainstream way. Right. In the absence of any sanity prevailing, right. where everybody would recognize that Russiagate is is what it has always been, which is a concocted, fabricated story to do two things. One, by the Democrats, effectively, to hamstring Donald Trump on ideological grounds. As you have to remember here, this is an ideological war that's being waged by uh, leftists in America against, right, against conservatives, against those two basic ideologies, basic worldviews. And the second thing that it's designed to do, obviously, because of Russia being implicated, is to attack Russia mm-hmm. and to do as much as they possibly can to um, take Russia down a peg or two or turn America, all of America, against Russia. So there's a domestic and and foreign policy being played out here in this uh, in this ridiculous Russiagate thing. And it is entirely concocted and it's very depressing how easy it has been. For the for someone in the deep state in the Democratic Party wherever to basically fabricate with a lot of resources, admittedly, but to fabricate fabricate a story out of nothing, literally out of nothing, and run with it and convince large numbers of people that it is true. Uh, the indictment here is on human beings, largely. Uh, Mostly, I mean, obviously, the people who concoct such stories are evil people. But the real indictment is on the people who swallow that kind of BS um, and run with it. Uh, ordinary people who are too stupid and too ignorant and too identified with themselves and their own little bowl to value the truth at all, to value any objectivity or to even exercise their own supposed critical thinking abilities to see through this kind of nonsense. People feast on lies and, inform- and disinformation all the time. Apparently, a lot of people love it, and that's what we were saying at the beginning of the show. You know, people's confirmation bias, basically what they want to believe is all they want. Just give me what I believe already, what makes me feel good, what makes me, what bolsters uh, my in-group and therefore makes me feel better as well. It's pretty sad. Incidentally, the Bevan Nunes and other Republicans promoting the heck out of this, like Congressman Getz, Congressman King, all voted in favor of expanding surveillance authorities authorized under Section 702 of FISA earlier this month. That was reported, but, you know, not so loudly. They cast their votes while at the same time telling the public that FISA is terribly abused by the FBI and the Justice Department, which it is, against Trump. But Section 702, the specific part that was reauthorized or augmented or whatever, or extended, concerns warrantless surveillance programs, which is a whole other area to this. In this case, the memo hoopla is about surveillance authorities that require a FISA court judge to sign off on them, which would have happened in this case for spying on Trump's campaign. 
So you see, there's a political circus, but then there's a real underlying. The deep state just got deeper as a regime. The, the, the incursion on everyone's civil liberties just extended. It got worse, objectively. Well, that's, that's assuming that they haven't been doing this all along anyway. You know, Edward Snowden spying on Americans. You can be sure that the FISA court was used multiple times to spy on Americans. Oh, on yeah, the, I'm, not, I'm not saying that, that this is a new phenomenon, but that it's got its official seal to carry on hmm. into the future. Just was renewed just recently. Right. Yeah. Um, which is a separate area. Trump, at least in this case, someone went to a judge and they went to the judge with what? The Steele dossier right. and said, here's our evidence. Okay, go ahead and spy on Trump's campaign. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, <clears throat> that's the scandal. And it's legitimately a scandal because it's, it's the political use of state organs mm-hmm. to game the system politically, to, to prevent right. Trump from being, becoming president. Or to, yeah, to try and win the presidency. Or to... America's a banana republic. Yeah. As we said before. And just to flesh out a couple of things, there have been statements that have uh, come out in in the texts uh, between Strzok and and various other um, people involved in this that have, uh, in black and white, kind of affirmed the fact that they, uh, that they, they were doing all this as an insurance policy uh, just in case um, Trump had uh, or would have won the election. Um, so the Steele dossier uh, that was uh, bought and paid for by the DNC and the, and the Clinton uh, campaign um, was basically their, their kind of um, uh, their, their Russian collusion uh, plan B uh, in an attempt to frame uh, Trump and de- delegitimize him if and when he should become president, which he did. Uh, mm. So there have been all these statements that have come out, um, you know, referring to uh, the the kind of partners in crime within the FBI and, and the DOJ as as a secret society of mm-hmm. people who have met outside of uh, the normal kind of workings of the FBI and the Department of Justice specifically with the intention of discussing how to take down Trump. So one of the other issues involved has been this, um, this number of three or 400 uh, phone texts uh, that were um, in the possession of the government that had gone missing. And I, I think um, Trump had tweeted about it. He said, uh, really, you know, three or 400 texts missing, blaming Samsung. Uh, so, I guess as a result of that and some of the pressure involved in, in um, you know, from the public um, to release the memo, some of these texts have begun to get miraculously recovered. Mm. Uh, but there has been all kinds of kind of uh, corroborating little, little bits of information that we're getting uh, in drips and drabs that are, that are confirming the, um, the larger picture here of how, People at the highest levels of the FBI and the Department of Justice under the Obama administration have um, not only tried to uh, destroy Trump's you know, political aspirations, um, but uh, but have really, like you said at the top of the show, Joe, um, mm-hmm. you know, framed all of this in terms of Russia 
trying to subvert U.S. democracy. So um, a lot of people have have grabbed onto the story with with some hope of it uh, bringing some clarity to the situation. Well, mm -hmm. the thing about the whole situation is that, and even with this memo, is that it seems like, um, well, because of course we haven't read the memo yet, so we don't know exactly what it says, but from the people who have described its contents, it doesn't sound like there's anything really new in it, like you already said, Joe. Um, right. But what's been happening is the the official narrative has been kind of shifting, or at least where they place their emphasis. So... Um, like last year for the, you know, the whole year, it was like every new detail that could possibly be spun in any way against Trump was used. So they were kind of creating a, like, it's like they didn't totally have their narrative set um, beforehand. It was kind of like they were, even the media was kind of winging it to a degree and ended up painting them or like cornering themselves in certain respects. So like um, New York Times and all the big papers, um, when the whole, um, which part was it? Um, well, the first iteration of the narrative basically was the one that's now been accepted, that the dossier was essentially the reason for um, how everything got started. And like for these like visa, like wiretaps and the um, the whole investigation that basically the, the people in the DOJ and FBI saw this dossier, assumed that it was true and then enabled this whole like bureaucratic process based on those premises. And that was admitted and commented on in the mainstream press, but only recently they've had to kind of backtrack on that because now that the dossier is increasingly discredited um, and to the extent where when interviewed about it in testimony, like to the you know various committees, um, like high level people will say, oh yeah, even, even when they say, oh yeah, we, uh, the dossier has got some good information in it. When asked pointedly, well, which information has been verified? They'll say, oh, like, um, I, I think they only gave like one or two examples, like maybe that, uh, was it, uh, was it Carter Page who, you know, made that trip to Moscow or something? And, mm. and so this, but the thing is, is that that information was basically already public domain, which was then like spun and in a way that wasn't actually true, like saying he went there on a day that he didn't or something like that. So for them to say that that's the only bit of information that they actually verified is not to say very much at all. It's basically to say that the two sources had reported on the same thing. They actually haven't, like, by their own words, they haven't been able to verify any of the actual, like, claims pointing towards collusion or to, like, Russian blackmail material over Trump. They haven't, they don't have any of that. So now that, you know, that this dossier isn't really seen as... Um, <clears throat> Um, like credible enough to lead to the sorts of investigations that ha that came out of it, they're backtracking and saying, "Oh well, it wasn't actually the dossier that led to this. It was like the it was this meeting that this guy had in Australia that confirmed the Papadopoulos, you know, thing." And blah blah blah. It's all nonsense. Yeah, and it's There's totally nothing behind nonsense. any of it. Right. You know what this doc? Go ahead. Even the Papadopoulos thing, like, he, apparently he'd said these things, and then they didn't interview him for, like, seven months afterwards, after the investigation had already started. Presumably, you know, if that was even true, the FBI would talk to him and get his side of the story, but they didn't. So they're saying that this is how they started it, and it's just a total lie. It's like a total, like, rewriting of the of the of of history of the narrative in order to come to something mm -hmm. that kind of like, you know, um, just paint themselves in a slightly better light. But it's, yeah, like, it's total nonsense. Right. It's like this, this memo business is like, and everything, you know, well, let's say the memo is like effectively a, 
what they're all talking about, which, like we've said, is supposedly something that exposes the Russia dossier and Trump collusion with Russia and everything they've said about Trump basically as false. And this memo right now is like, and has been, and this has been around for this memo or something, evidence similar to this memo has been around for a long time, going like right back to the very beginning, essentially, uh, after Trump's inauguration and the, <clears throat> and the Russia's business started. It's kind of like an, it's like a big giant box that's sitting in front of everyone. Mm-hmm. And... Um, Sticking out of the front of the box is a long trunk, a long gray trunk. On the sides of it are two giant ears. Out of the bottom, there are four big, thick, trunk-like legs. And at the back, there's a small, thin tail. <clears throat> and everybody is saying, well what, well, what is it? What could this possibly mm-hmm. be? You know, and, well, we can't, we don't know because, you know, we have to wait to unwrap the box to find out what it is. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. I don't know. Oh, I wonder what's in the box. And periodically, something is dropped at the back, and the room begins to really stink. And right. People are going, <laughs> yeah. And now and again, I smell it. <clears throat> and now and again, there's a loud trumpeting noise. People are like, wonder what? Yeah. But and, and the Democrats are saying, well, we don't know. You know, let's not open the box because if you don't <laughs> open the box, then no one can say what it is, right? <laughs> That's the kind of level of ridiculousness that we have to put up with here, you know. And I mean, we, we've talked about Trump and the deep state uh, here uh, on several occasions over the past year. And, um, you know, I don't, we have, you know, hypothesized about what the problem with Trump is um, and why the deep state, quote unquote, would be out to get him. And we, we mentioned just uh, a little while ago uh, about there being two two agendas, you know, <clears throat> uh, through this attack on Trump via Russia. One is to uh, uh, to demonize Trump uh, at home, make him sound like a traitor, uh, undermine him, and then at the same time fulfill a foreign policy agenda of uh, attacking Russia. Um, but what is... And I mentioned at the beginning that it was basically along ideological lines. What's the, what's the agenda of the deep state? That's saying what their proactive agenda is, but what is their agenda? What, do they, what threat does, does Trump pose? They want, we keep saying that they obviously they want to undermine him and accuse him of treason, but why? We know why they want to uh, attack Russia for geopolitical reasons. They're all very clear, and we've talked about those a lot and written many articles on that. But at home, what is it that Trump, what kind of a threat does Trump propose or pose to the deep state that they would take these actions against him? So what is the deep state's agenda at home? Well, and why is this deep state so often, uh, it, it's, it's, there's nothing between them and the Democrats. It's, it's used almost interchange, interchangeably, you know, you know, Democratic Party members or high level Democrats, whatever, and the deep state are one and the same thing. Well, what's their agenda? And we talked about ideology. Well, the ideology of, of leftist ideology is to expand government as much as possible into people's lives. Uh, to control people's lives as much as possible. That's what they want. They're basically megalomaniacs. They want to uh, intrude on on everyone's lives and have as much control over people in a, in, a, in a you know in America, let's say, and by extension the rest of the world. But certainly at home in America, the leftist ideology is to spread government to have a socialist kind of government where uh, taxpayers' money is used to control people to interfere interfere. Uh, more and more uh, into people's lives 
and to make them dependent on the state so the state becomes more powerful because the power of any state comes from the people. So therefore, you would want to control the people as much as possible, have as much control over them as possible. Uh, and you do that through, <clears throat> you know, uh, obviously getting people to, along an ideological line, to want to, to look to the state, to, to idealize the state as as, uh, as being their protector, a kind of father figure that will do everything for them and them as children, which is pretty pernicious uh, for, for individual freedom and, and liberty. And you can see how Trump and his attitude, his, his the conservative or the right wing uh, uh, perspective, um, is is is, an, is an, an attack on that. And you have a, if you have a right wing or conservative leaning um, president in power, then he is a direct uh, threat to that ideology because of the power in the office of the president for him to enact certain policies. So that's why they've been attacking because and and Trump's a threat to Trump or a threat from Trump to that kind of socialist utopia type. Uh, uh, push from the leftist party, which is a totalitarian uh, drive, mm-hmm. <clears throat> uh, the, the the threat from someone like Trump is that he would, for example, instead of, he would use, tend to use taxpayers' money to empower the individual as opposed to empowering the state over the individual. So by creating more jobs, by putting money into, into, in, you know, cutting taxes for corporations, it's basically, and, and corporate, when you talk about corporations, don't, don't be confused, we're not talking about, you know, um, um, Amazon or <clears throat> or or, or uh, Microsoft or, or any of the big banks and stuff. When you talk about corporations, ninety percent of corporations in America, i.e., businesses, companies in America, are have I think it's less than fifty employees or less than thirty employees. I think ninety percent of them. Yeah, so you're talking about mom and huh? Small businesses. Yeah, you're talking about mom and pop stores. That's what you know. So all of those corporate tax cuts benefit the individuals. They're effectively individuals employing a small group of individuals, ordinary Americans, and those tax cuts empower them by giving them more money and more more money and less dependence on the state. And by basically giving money back to the people via tax cuts, you give them that energy, that money to do what they want with their own lives, as opposed to making them more dependent on the state by social through social programs. You give them you give them freedom. You give them more freedom, right? And this yeah. is what Trump basically uh, wants to do, and and that's kind of at home. That's just mm-hmm. a basic outline of the kind of stuff that his, his tendency uh, and why it's a threat to a kind of socialist utopia where the state controls everything. And abroad, uh, obviously, <clears throat> this is why he was attacked uh, on the Russia angle because he was on, he's on record as having to, having having said that he wants to had he wanted to have better relations uh, with Russia. So abroad, he was generally for a more sane, rational uh, U.S. foreign policy that involved uh, cooperation with uh, large nations like Russia and, and doing a deal type of thing on a, on a kind of fair basis, on a business basis, like uh, trying to get win-win situations. Because obviously you go and try to st- try and strike a deal with, with someone you want to do business with. You can't just go, listen, how about, what if, what if I propose a deal to you where I win and you lose? Would you be up for that? Obviously, you know, Trump's a businessman. He knows that doesn't work. You have to basically, it has to be a, a, a give and take type thing. It has to be, you have to find a mutually beneficial situation to do business with people. And that was his approach to foreign policy as well. That would have, have infused or, or, or uh, informed American foreign, foreign policy under Trump, which is really bad for the exceptional nation where America, traditional American foreign policy under the, the kind of psycho elite, uh, go around dictating terms to everybody. Uh, and it's my way or the highway. I win and you get the scraps. So on no, on both of those counts, that's why. And I mean, for any n- normal, rational human being, uh, those two aspects, domestic and foreign policy that Trump would have pursued, are good for everybody. As long as you're not a nut job. Unfortunately, there's a lot of nut jobs. But for any ra- sane, rational human being, those are positive, beneficial, 
policies, domestic and foreign, for ordinary human beings in America and around the world. But they have all these nut jobs who are who are screaming at the sky, not my president, and 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 you know pushing the whole leftist ide- ideology of you know diversity and minorities' rights, which all imply state protection. You know, mm-hmm. state-funded yes. institutions protect those people. They want that. They want to be coddled. They're like basic, and that's why they're called snowflakes because they're because they're so fragile. They're so emotionally under underdeveloped, and 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 you know have have no kind of core inner inner strength that that they need that kind of state coddling otherwise they'll fall apart they they instinctively you know uh, aspire to it and drive for it and scream and, and demand it mm-hmm. and the problem is while the, where you can depict them as snowflakes or or as children they're also very violent we, the snowflake aspect is their emotional fragility but that doesn't mean they're not very very angry people you know a child who is like throwing a tantrum and is kind of like a bit messed up emotionally or is, has, has trouble dealing with things, um, you could call that child a bit weak and a bit fragile and, and, and vulnerable. But when they get angry, they can, they can raise hell. And these people are, are a danger in that respect, you know, um, as we've seen on, on the streets and the way they, they conduct themselves in universities and stuff. Mm-hmm. But the other problem is that this, is being, this ideology is also taking hold in, amongst the, uh, obviously in the leftist, ideologues in, in government and in power in the Democratic Party and also um, in institutions mm. you know in, in universities you know who those educators quote unquote have uh, an interest see themselves as you know these are my children the students are my children and we must you know it's not about empowering people it's about yeah. controlling people effectively you know? mm-hmm. yeah internationally Trump would threaten the, the the power elite because he is all about, you know, breaking up these large-scale institutional arrangements that the U.S. has had mm-hmm. by taking stock of, well, where actually do we benefit and where is it of benefit to this international-slash-globalist structure? And that's why he's going around saying to people, and it, it's funny, it's, it's ironic how it's being, I don't think it's being, I don't think it's being misunderstood by ordinary peoples internationally, actually, but by the elites in the corresponding countries, they join in right. the leftist bashing of Trump right, back home because it is a threat to the existing arrangements that they profit from. Very and, nicely, and, thank and, you. Yeah, I mean USA and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. For example. Well, it's, I mean, there's a there's a def- very definite aspect of of, of um, you know socialist foreign policy. Uh, and that's, you could probably define American, most of American, the history of American foreign policy as kind of international socialism, where you make other countries dependent on America in the same way, dependent on hands. I mean, how many times have you heard about America, the aid America gives, you know, USAID, NED, pumping American taxpayer, taxpayers' money into other countries to make those other countries and the people of those other, other countries dependent on America as well? Not just the people at home in America, but the people everywhere around the world. So it's international socialism, effectively. And what is international socialism? Uh, like it's obviously goes back to the Bolshevik Revolution and the internationalists and the Trotskyists and all that kind of stuff. Their idea is to control everybody, to interfere, have a, a overarching state structure that controls as many people in the world and as many countries in the world as possible through making them dependent on the state and in the form of some form of state handouts, state control over resources and the wealth that people have. 
and if people are con- in, uh, dependent in that way on the state, well, then you don't have any individual freedom because everybody knows if you, it comes down to money. If you have your own resources and your own money to do what you want, then you have agency. You have individual agency, independent of anybody else, anybody else in the state. And they don't want that because it, it's not control over people. And these are, these are pathological, megalomaniacal people who want to you know, save everybody. Of course, they couch it in, in positive terms, you know, humanitarian terms, but it's pernicious, uh, devouring usurpation of your of, of the free will and independence of, of individual people, ultimately. Mm-hmm. Well, I was just thinking about Hillary Clinton herself being this kind of uh, poster girl for those uh, left-wing kind of ideological... Um, Ideas that have been uh, foisted on uh, on U.S. population for so long. Uh, superficially, she's uh, the strong woman, the feminist, uh, the the um, the kind of pro minority uh, uh, liberal who everyone was kind of looking to to set things straight in the same way that uh, everyone was looking towards Barack Obama, the first black president after the Bush administration, to correct things. And, um, and so, uh, she, I mean, of course, by now we know that all, all of these very superficial assessments of her on the part of most liberals are, are just that, you know, they're, they're lies, uh, to sell a brand of, of ideology when, when under, just under the surface, uh, is, you know, the, the, the opposite. I mean, she, she could care less for minorities or women or, or anything else except for um, her own power. Right. Uh, so there's, there's, there's that. Two, two. I just Go wanted ahead. to uh, add something to what uh, Neil mentioned a little bit ago, and that is um, Trump ran on the uh, on abolishing the, the, was it the TTIP and the TIP? These kind of mm-hmm. uh, NAFTA-esque international agreements that the U.S. was was kind of selling to China and other nations around the world, which was basically like, you know, do do our plan. It's really good. Uh, you know, we'll 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 bring American investment into your country, and and everyone will benefit. And of course, most world leaders who are looking at this saw exactly what it was, which was a kind of a a legal agreement which would justify the uh, the financial raping of, of whatever country decided to uh, go into this agreement with the U.S. Um, so there was that as well. Uh, Trump put the Knicks on that shortly after he came to office, if I remember correctly. And, um, and this was another one of those kinds of uh, America first in the worst sort of way. Um, policies of neoliberalism and, 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 uh, shock doctrine that, that, um, that flew against his kind of let's make a deal philosophy. And, um, yeah, yeah. The, the, key, the key word there is neoliberalism. Actually, most world leaders in the, the Pacific trade arrangement wanted it to happen and it still may happen without the U.S. Um, it's yeah. it's it's tricky because it's a kind of an ideological battle, but it's not yeah it's not obvious how um, <clears throat> the U.S. was going to benefit from it. But before I would have characterized TPP and the European equivalent as the U.S. dictating terms to everyone else, but it actually it turns out that since Trump 
put, a, let's say, a roadblock on it by withdrawing U.S. interest in the scheme, it's become apparent that actually it's not, the dynamic wasn't quite so simple because all those other countries in the Pacific arena anyway expressed their dismay that the U.S. was leaving. Their elites did anyway. So um, it, it's, it's not quite... It's not quite as clear cut um, as them They're, being the elite them being institutions of mm-hmm. U.S. control over the rest of the world. There, there are two comments uh, in the chat room um, on the taxes thing. Uh, Divide by zero said many of my co-workers' taxes have go- are going up. Many, okay, how many? I don't know, but whatever. Because the new tax limits the because the new tax limits the amount of state and local property taxes that I can write off. Blah blah blah. So, but the point is, it's. Obviously, you know the tax Trump's tax um, plan is is going to have different effects on different people, but the net benefit is obviously in line with and still holds true in line with what we were saying about the personal empowerment of people. If it creates more jobs, it still uh, contributes to the personal empowerment because people who don't have jobs are fully dependent on the state. Uh, the other um comment from White Coast was about he actually argued with an old friend a few days ago who said that it was fascist slash racist to believe in border control. Okay, well, ninety percent of people around him disagree with that, at least in the U.S. Right, but so where, where does so this, he, he where, has where to does go this? and talk to those people and find out are they really fascist slash racist? Right, but they don't talk to each other. They only talk to the people who right. confirm what they what they want, and they have these ridiculous ideas, and it's a complete. Failure of people's ability to actually think rationally about things. Yeah. What is it? What is the? What is this mania that has overtaken people? You know, where they can ab- absorb or identify with the, with these ridiculous ideas that make no sense, that are destructive. Um, I mean, yeah, I understand. It's it's the it's the appeal to to humanitarianism and to let's all get along, let's all be friends, and no bad things happening in life. Yeah. No racism. No sexism. No. You know, everybody's a perfect example of, of, of what human beings can, can can be type thing, you know, all the time. So they and, call them dreamers. Well, they're the And who, who yeah. would be against dreamers? That's like being, that's like saying, no, I'm sorry, but the fluffy unicorns and the rainbows, uh, some fluffy unicorns, the unicorns and the rainbows and the fluffy bunnies, uh, no, we don't like them. They're banned. You know, it, it, it's a very clever ideological um, in position, that's it's not been instant. It's been gradual over decades. That has only it's only now being challenged. Dreamer, visa. Compare that with the actual description of them, which is illegal immigrant. Right. They, they they went in without. They didn't go in the honest way. They didn't apply. They didn't try to get a job. They didn't. They they actually just crossed over, knowing that once they're in, the the, the situation, it's it's gained there. That. They'll win. They'll they'll quickly become voters. If uh, one of George Soros' NGOs gets a hold of them, they'll be put on the registry before they even get any freaking handouts. They'll be first first thing first is get them on the rolls so mm-hmm. that they'll vote Democrat next time around. It's a horrible situation, and it, it's it's the, that's part of why it's stitched up into this hot button topic when it really should be a, a an adult debate about the extent to which and and how and how and who and who comes to your country it's it's perfectly socially acceptable in australia to have a merits-based immigration system Mm -hmm. 
you can't just you can't just come in now. Now, do you have a now, that's no perfect system because Australia has people on boats offshore that it treats abominably, and and we know that there are plenty of injustices, valid injustices. But it, it's trying to deal with it, it's a system that's trying to deal with a problem in a reasonable way. Yep. And the U.S. the U.S. has become completely unreasonable. That's why it's come to a situation where people, masses of people, the majority, in fact, in the U.S., actually want the wall. It doesn't make them <clears throat> fascist, for God's sake. It's that's it's an indication of how bad the situation has has become. Well, do you have a merits based system on who comes into your house? Absolutely. Oh, just let anybody in? No, because they're poor. You let all the poor people in. No. What about anybody who's a bit disreputable? I mean, if they look poor. Like gypsies. Gypsies look poor in Europe. Would you let them in? No, because you know, because you know that they're known for, for stealing everything that isn't nailed down. Exactly. Anyway. Anyway, we've got a... There's, there's my politically incorrect statement of the day. Okay, so... Oh. Okay, it's crazy on the left, and it's a little bit crazy on the right, too, because... Yeah. The momentum here is kind of like this. So lock them up. Lock up Hillary, lock up Washington Schultz, Comey, Clapper, Brennan, Obama. And they're all lawyering up, apparently, right? So it's, it's coming to a head in a really dramatic way. Well, it's not, actually. People would like to believe that it is. So what kind of realistic scenarios could unfold here? It's unlikely... In fact, it's probably not, it's not going to happen. No one's going to jail. If anyone does go to jail, it'll be some staffer or the you know councils or whatever. But it's extremely unlikely that this is going to flip around into a full-on investigation of the crimes committed by the Democrats and U.S. intelligence agencies, who are the gods of the country. So if that's unlikely, but in what way is this still coming to a head in some way? What kind of scenario is going to play out here? Will Russiagate end, for example? Right. Hard to say because Russia is still there and it's still going to be a major foreign policy issue as far as the deep state is concerned. Mm -hmm. So any outcome here is going to have to be a kind of a balance, a a trade-off, where Trump is still not allowed to talk to Putin because because Russia. Mm-hmm. And well, maybe before we get into those yeah. scenarios a bit more, we've got a caller on the line. We got Stephen, so maybe we can take his call. Stephen, hey, can you hear me? Yes, we can hear you. Welcome. Yes, um, hey, I got a couple. I got a couple comments on this Russia Gate. Um, I see it as just it's it's serviceable. It it um there's a there's a the Democrats are taking this Russia thing, and this is um, this is their opportunity to. They've been bashed as the you know being uh, closet commies for decades, so this is their chance to uh, cast off that label as being closet commies, and then they can uh, they can point to the Republicans in the right as being traitors. And selling out U.S. interests and and so forth. So now they can pose, they can pose as the real uh, patriots that are looking after U.S. interests over the uh, the mysterious uh, Russian, 
you know, cabal that is forever trying to undermine the United States, even though communism in Russia ended a couple decades ago. So um, this that's that's part of the dynamic that I see among the the liberal Democrats. You know, they for, like I, like I said, for decades they were labeled as closet commies and this and that. And there's still a lot of people on the right that give, but now they can pose as being the real patriots. And um, it's all you know. I've been watching this thing. It's just all BS. It's total BS, but it's serviceable. For their interests, and um, I see it no, I, I see it, you know, basically going nowhere. Um, if the FBI uh, and the government, if they really wanted to go after Trump, they they've got all kinds of stuff that they could put him in jail for. The same with Hillary. The same for most politicians, but it, it won't come to that. Um, this is this is kind of uh, something for the little people to like gnash their teeth over and get upset about and then really uh it kind of takes some um, takes attention off of the uh you know people becoming involved in uh you know thinking about real issues that would uh if you if we really thought about it and there was reform it would negatively impact the bankers wall street and so forth so um that's one point that i have um another point i have where where i'm at with this you know, talking about uh, people on welfare, this and that. It's total BS. There's, when you got people working for the biggest, wealthiest corporations that get paid so little that they need government assistance, that is the elephant in the room that we should be talking about, not bashing and trying to guilt trip <clears throat> poor people that that need to see a doctor that, that don't have enough income coming into their household to have adequate nutrition for their families. The real crime is just not paying people enough where they can sustain their households independently. And um, I would, I would, I would have added with dignity, but it's such a scam to try to guilt trip already poor people that are doing their best and working, you know, with this thing. Oh, you take government when the biggest people that suck off the government teeth are the defense industry the bankers and all of that. And, you know, and shame on the Democrats. They were supposed to have, uh, I totally, I can't stand the right wing. There's some good people in the right wing that are principled. And I recognize they've got valid critiques, but the ones that just keep bashing on the poor and they don't point, they don't point to these huge corporations that are just sucking. They're getting subsidies when, when we, when the taxpayers have to subsidize, uh, WIC, you know, food stamps and all of that, medical assistance for people that work for these huge companies like Amazon and Walmart and, um, you know, whatever. Uh, there's Burger King, McDonald's. You know, when these right-wingers don't point that out, they have no credibility in my book. And um, I share you guys' disdain for for the the Democrat. but And also the, you know, the, the situation of illegal immigration. It really is – they uh, – you know, they came here illegally. Okay, that's true. Um, what's also true is the United States has, has um, meddled in the affairs of Guatemala, Honduras, um, and Central American countries where if the people, the popular forces, put a, a group in power that's going to cater their interests and um, tame the oligarchs, um, they're destroyed. So their people are kept in desperation. But 
when they come here, um, there's been a there's been a, a policy on the part of both Democrats and Republicans, um, knowing that a huge amount of people are coming through the borders, but they allow they've allowed that, um, and there, there's a de facto kind of hidden policy. They know that it's going to undercut and put downward pressure on from construction to painting to landscaping. It's going to put downward pressure. And who's going to gain from that? The people that are millionaires. And that's been, and then they offshore the good jobs, you know, the good, well, I should qualify that. These factory jobs that pay 25 to 30 bucks an hour, they offshore that to Vietnam, Bangladesh. And there's market forces that necessitate that offshoring or companies that even would like to do the right thing and maintain jobs here. You know, they'll go under. You know, so these, there's all of these, there's two forces. And in the end, who's really getting screwed the most? It's the 50% of the American population that makes under $30,000 a year. And um, the people above them that I work for, you know, they're more than happy to have, you know, most of them are more than happy to save a few thousand dollars on painting their house or having their lake cleaned or doing a landscaping job. They'd really rather not pay a legitimate company that has full insurance and, um, you know, decent wages for their employees. They'd really, they could give a crap about that. And, um, and I'm saying, I'm saying the good majority of them because it comes down to economics in the end and everybody's trying to save money. So I think that Trump has the, had the, he recognized a huge problem. Um, he wants to address it. Um, he's not the most eloquent person in the world. And he's playing on emotion. He's a, he's, he's by now he's a politician, but he wants to do the right thing. And, um, I just see the situation here is, um, the, the momentum and, and I'll shut up after this comment, but the momentum has been going on for, for so it's, it's become so strong for so long that even somebody like Trump that wants to do the best he can and change things just isn't going to be able to do enough right um quickly enough to really turn the ship the ship around after, after 16 years of neoconservatism and then neoliberalism under obama it's a lot of work yeah. to undo yeah exactly but um no i share you guys' contempt for the snowflake sjw's because um you know just look at syria they can they can become all indignant about like whatever their their outrage of the day is here, but they can't even like have a critique about what's going on in Syria or Ukraine. Give me a break. Mm. Give me a break. You guys, right. you guys, you they suck just for that, just for not even keeping up with what's going on. Mm-hmm. And then just going on to the, the the drama du jour here in the United States. It's perpetual. They suck. They have no what? credibility. Yeah. So. Yep. All right, Stephen. All right, thank you guys. Right, thanks thanks for the call. the call. Um. Yeah. I mean, on on that point about the lefty sucking. Yeah, they're hypocrites. You know, they're the ones who should be called out on that stuff that Stephen Stephen just said. Because if if they really are these humanitarians and the the um, what's the phrase the uh, the champion of the oppressed then that obviously should include, they should inform themselves and that should include people that are oppressed as a result of uh, U.S. government actions anywhere in the world, right? And especially when um, 
obviously people like uh, Stephen mentioned in Syria and Iraq and Afghanistan and Yemen. Um, they're obviously far more oppressed when having a bomb dropped on your house is more oppressive mm-hmm. than someone not using your uh, preferred uh, pronoun, right? <clears throat> so, um, yeah, it but, really gets me that, so, that all. I was these, just going to uh, say. That, okay, go ahead. Hang on. I was yeah. I was just going to say to finish that that they um, they're the hypocrites. And but I would give kind of people who don't support who aren't leftists who are conservatives a free pass on not being you know not even even not being concerned or not concerning themselves with you know the the brutality of of of, of American kind of foreign policy on on other peoples in the world because uh, those conservatives never really signed up to that you know they're not responsible for it the people on the right um, they have every right to just be concerned only with what's happening in their own country as every every person does you know nobody can be like you know the a bleeding heart for the entire world. You know, you've got your own stuff to deal with. can expect everybody in America, in particular those who uh, don't don't vote for it. And, and you know, conservative, conservatism uh, got a bad name under Bush. <clears throat> it was associated with, uh, you know, the, the war on terror and imperial expansion and bombing of countries and stuff. And we everybody thought, you know, evil conservatives, they're, they're warmongers. But that's not what real conservatism is. Real conservatism is far more closely aligned with isolationism and a non-military in, uh, intervention around the world. Basically, close the border, build a wall, you know, and uh, <clears throat> do business with the rest of the world, but only to the extent that it's beneficial for you. And certainly going around wasting vast uh, billions of dollars, uh, untold billions of dollars in taxpayer money on, on, on military intervention around the world is very much against traditional conservative values. Yeah. I want to segue into something else. Harrison had something to say. Sorry, go on. Well, just the, uh, a comment on an aspect that the liberal hypocrisy takes on is the the hyper-focus on things like uh, racism and sexism. When you tie that into what actually goes on in the world, like uh, an American politician who either even in jest or accidentally um, like uses a, a racially charged term or let's say even one of these guys that, uh, you know, gets slammed with a sexual harassment allegation, um, they're out of a job, right? They can't do anything. Like if, if Hillary Clinton would never do this, but, you know, if, even if she were to, you know, be exposed using like super racist language, you know, she'd be like, uh, you know, thrown to the wolves. And yet the very people that would throw her to the wolves, all the SJWs, have no concern it's not even on their radar that hillary clinton um directly was responsible for killing women (laughs) men children brown people right Uh, so you can you can you can murder people if they're you know women or uh you know people of color but you can't say anything bad about them and that's really, you know, that's that's the line that is drawn. It's like, yeah, kill as many of them as, as you want, as you want. We don't care because we're not even paying attention. It's like, uh, right. but but the moment you say a bad word, it's like that's the, you know, you're finished. Mm-hmm. It's It's just, yeah, it's mind blowing. Well, Neil, did you want to get back to the question uh, that you posed shortly before Stephen called? Um. Like yeah, I mean, what what realistically can come out of this? I mean, mm-hmm. something does seem to be coming to a head. Whatever is actually released, this memo in whatever unredacted or redacted form, what are we looking at here realistically? Is it a nothing burger as the left is saying in the US and the mainstream media? 
or will it have some implications if not the one that people are wishing for, which is that they all go to jail? Mm-hmm. Um, no, I don't think anybody's going to go to jail. Right. Uh, certainly not Hillary Clinton. And people need to get off that stick, you know, because they're wasting their time and energy and putting putting their, their hopes and dreams into seeing Hillary Clinton behind bars. It's silly, you know. Um, but uh, the, I think the best case scenario is that this would um, ultimately just kind of fizzle out and go away. That's kind of the best case scenario. Uh, and it'll just be a waste. Uh, it'll be seen as a, as a complete waste of time and energy and a, a massive distraction to, um, to, to, to what's, what's important, you know, uh, a distraction for vast numbers of people. I've spent vast numbers of hours tweeting nonsense on Twitter. Uh, okay, so that's why I want to segue into this other topic. Now, it has overlapping issues with release the memo and parallels with it. So we're, we're kind of moving on, but we can also dip back into our main topic. That's this um, QAnon, Q-Anon. Uh, spelled Q-A-N-O-N, a.k.a. the Storm Conspiracy. So we're a little late to this particular party because it's actually been going on for a few months. Although it had crossed our radar and I frankly didn't give it much thought at all because it's completely bonkers. But I'm skipping to the conclusion, so let's give it a fair play first. So back in mid-December, the New Yorker magazine, I mean, it was picked up by the mainstream already last month, summed up this particular hoopla as follows. So on October 28th, someone calling themselves Q began posting a series of cryptic messages on a 4chan Paul thread titled Calm Before the Storm. Q claimed to be a high-level government insider with Q clearance, hence the name, tasked with posting intel drops, which he called crumbs, straight to 4chan in order to covertly inform the public about Trump's master plan to stage a counter-coup against members of the deep state. The New Yorker concludes it was, in short, absolutely insane. Well, not absol- I don't think it was absolutely insane, but it was quite insane, as we'll see. I mean, there is a possible precedent for this kind of thing going on, because I think back to the aftermath of the Vegas massacre. Somebody found or referred to mm-hmm. someone making posts prior to the event that something was planned for that city and gave a rough timeline. It wasn't accurate, whatever. But there were some details in it that were like, well, that's, 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 that does suggest that he had some heads up and that he was trying to say something was going to go down to Vegas. Anyway, a, that's a small example. More importantly, I don't think this is absolutely nuts because the concept isn't too wild. Think about it. The idea that there would be high-level help for an embattled president in this current climate in the U.S. Mm. isn't really, isn't implausible. Because, I mean, he is, it's a, it is a war. It's a series. It's not been anything like it. So it, it wouldn't be out of the ordinary for someone to be attempting this. I mean, I've joked just in the last couple of weeks, Jesus, Trump needs to get his act together and get around the media. Twitter isn't going to do it for him. He needs to like start Trump TV or something mm. to get around the mainstream. I'm joking, but that's the kind of thing that you would expect, anticipate to see happening in this climate. Anyway, the thing is that Trump already has, quote-unquote, inside help and, quote-unquote, allies. But the ones that we see helping him 
aren't doing it by posting cryptic messages on 4chan. They're helping him by directly siding with him in the media. So mm-hmm. Sean Hannity, Tucker Carlson, for example, others help too. To a lesser extent, like us here, uh, other alt-media sites, WikiLeaks, and so on. And we do it not because it's Trump, but because something is or is not true, and we call it as we see it, right? right. And what's true in this context is that Trump is under attack because he's a threat to the deep state. Mm-hmm. Okay, so one of the more popular posts by this QAnon guy was titled The 16-Year Plan to Destroy America, which Jerome Corsi, who's a kind of a right-wing writer for right-wing sites, <laughs> decoded because the messages are just like some of the they're, – at best they're phrases, and actually most of them are one-word code words that has left for you to decode. So anyway – He wrote this thing, and he decoded it as follows. The Obama-Hillary Clinton 16-year plan to destroy America involved the Democrats calculating both Obama and Hillary Clinton's two-term presidencies, hence 16-year plan to destroy America. As part of the plan, the Democratic Party co-conspirators envisioned Hillary would follow Obama's plan to put rogue political operatives at key positions throughout the federal government, just as Obama placed John Brennan as CIA, James Clapper as DNI, Eric Holder and Loretta Lynch as attorney generals, James Comey at FBI, etc., etc. Hillary would continue Obama's plan to weaken the U.S. military while actively funding, actively funding Iran and North Korea's development of nuclear weapons. <laughs> the only military Nonsense. commanders promoted by Obama and then planned by Clinton administration were to be those who accepted the LGBT agenda and sex change operations for transgender soldiers at taxpayer expense and were willing to eliminate any discussion of radical Muslims as terrorists, accepted a nuclear-armed Iran and North Korea, were willing to advance the Palestinian agenda to destroy Israel as a Jewish state, were willing to, to promote the Muslim Brotherhood control throughout the Middle East and Africa, end quote. Now, where he got that from, I looked at the original 16-year plan by this guy, and of course he just spun this freaking fantasy out of it, but it's not a completely out of nowhere because it is a very typical actual screed of the right in the U.S., especially when it comes to how, the world, the US, how they look at the world in the U.S. is placed in it. It's completely backwards. The concept of the deep state means that it places Obama in power, not the other way around. Obama doesn't say, I'm in charge now and I put you. He does not. He he names people, sure, but only after it's been strongly suggested to him Mm -hmm. by deep state people. And that stuff about a Palestinian agenda to destroy Israel, I mean, and the deep state plan to advance Iranian nuclear interests, I mean, uh, North Korean interests, like police. Those countries are developing of their own accord, and the U.S. deep state has been trying to handle, contain, or otherwise thwart it. Obama isn't an agent of theirs trying to lift them up at the U.S.'s expense. It's just, it's an incredibly subjective interpretation where everyone is, it's only agents, and there are no kind of large scale forces at work in the world. And where you can come up with any kind of subjective spin after the fact, after a series of 
a decade-long process and a whole series of events, some guy is going to come in and say, oh, yeah, so you see, you know, look at all these key events and trends in the last eight years, in this case. They were planned to continue in the next coming eight years. Says I, because I have insider knowledge. It, it's, uh, there's more stuff. I mean, according to Q, Trump was never really involved with Russia, well, no shit, and isn't actually under investigation by Mueller and co. On the contrary, Q insists that it's actually Clinton and Obama who were corrupted by Putin and are now actually under investigation by Mueller. Now, that sounds like crazy talk, right? But here's the thing. We have spent the past year watching. It doesn't originate. This isn't Q's brilliant idea. This has been nonstop, drip, drip story, in, especially in sites like the Gateway Pundit, True Pundit, Town Hall, and others on the right in the U.S. They've been flirting nonstop with this idea that the Mueller investigation is actually a covert trap to get Hillary. Right. But that's what they want. They're like they either. I don't know what it is. It's Mulliger, a combination of wishful thinking and it's also a combination of – well, this whole Russiagate is so absurd. Yeah. They see it like we do. It's so on its face absurd. There must be some actual intelligent reasons behind why people are doing this mm-hmm. that they're not telling us. Yeah, and Mueller's a Republican, so he fits the bill, right? He's a, he's a covert Republican plant in this investigation. You know, Obviously, his allegiances are going to be Republican. Therefore, he's going to be able to get Hillary. Yeah, but that's that doesn't take account of the bipartisan um, deep state. You know, like you're saying, basically that, that 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 this is the this deep state, which is the conglomeration, more or less. You can describe it as a conglomeration of intel agencies and certain people at at, at, at the heads of those uh, who pretty much, you know, hold have their hands on all the levers of power in America. In one way or another, and and control all actions and all people, right? To this degree, right? And everything that happens <coughs> while part of my secret plan, it's like this in hmm. unbelievable level of subjectivity. Yeah, no, it's, it, it it doesn't make any sense. Uh, I don't think that 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 would happen. I don't think Mueller has the, has the power to do that. And basically, this deep state, like we were saying earlier on, this deep state's agenda aligns with a leftist agenda. Therefore, it's it's run through. Uh, certainly in recent years has been run through the Democratic Party, which is to socialize America and have more and more control over and have a socialized foreign policy as well, basically, which is, you know, government, U.S. government, the deep state expansion and the, the, the expansion of the, of the control of the deep state uh, to as many, uh, to as much of America popular, popular as, as possible and as into as many American lives as possible and into as much of the world as as possible. They're basically just megalomaniacs that want to control the world. That old kind of like conspiracy theory holds true here. There are people who have designs on the control of as much of the world as possible, its resources, and the minds of the people that inhabit it. That's, that's, the, that's, that's the goal. Like, I mean, that's the... If you want to aim high, that's, that's the ultimate, right? Mm-hmm. If, you're, if, there, if you posit that there are people who have been in positions... Uh, of power, you know, uh, um, for decades, unelected positions, like in intelligences, that's why they get targeted for that, uh, as being the, the, the core of it. 
they've been in positions for of this kind of power in corporations, let's say, and intel agencies for a long time, and they're brought up from the cradle with a particular worldview, and they see the world as their plaything. Uh, if if you allow for the possibility of that being true, then it's not unreasonable that after a, quite a long period of time, and particularly in a modern technological age that allows for this kind of dominance through mass media and through uh, military technology, <clears throat> it's not implausible that uh, there would be people who would see the world as a very small place uh, and that, that it's within their ability and it's their mandate, effectively, to, to micromanage, to, 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 to control it all. And they get their kicks out of seeing people like Pavlovian dogs, you know, react as they want them to. Well, so what's the final kind of summation or thought on this QAnon, that he's a semi-sophisticated uh, COINTEL Pro agent of some sort that's trying to convince the conservatives that uh, ultimately they'll they'll get their way in in permitting Mueller to uh, to continue because he's really going after Hillary and and not Trump. Why would you go so far? Why why can you not be some some uh, internet troll doing it for the lols? Some guy you don't think it's possible. You, mm-hmm. you don't think it's possible that someone who's been keeping up with this kind of stuff would would decide I'm gonna for some for some Shits and, shits and giggles, I'm going to present myself as an insider and, and drop these truth bombs. I mean, I looked at uh, like a lot of them, and I, I could easily have come up with, a, with the most of them or something, something very similar. Really, no problem whatsoever. Mm-hmm. There's nothing he said. That, Not that, that I'm an internet troll. <laughs> no. No, you're, you're just a Russian troll. Yep. Um, there's nothing he said that um, is not already in the public arena. And there's nothing he's guessed at or hinted at or speculated about that has not already been speculated about. I.e., one of them, for example, he, he, he hints that it's, oh, yeah, uh, it's known that they're, they're out to assassinate Trump. Well, yeah, everyone's guessed that since, like, the last year, mm-hmm. given the vitriolic hatred for the man in some circles. Yeah. Uh, Q clearance, this is, this is where QAnon. It's not QAnon, it's QAnon. Anonymous Q clearance. And Q clearance is... Uh, type of clearance. It's basically Department of Energy, top level, um, top secret Department of Energy clearance. Uh, Look at some of the other things he's hinted at. <coughs> he's hinted that Trump is such a genius that he has figured all of this out way back when. And he has just been pretending to love Putin slash Russia and or be involved in some way with Russia ever since then, mm. as a way to force a third party to investigate the horrors that would actually expose Clinton's collusion with Russia and other foreign governments. Mm-hmm. That's a... Uh, hold on a second. Say that, that the same... So, the, the suggestion... It's, it's along the same lines as, as what's been hinted at in other right-wing sources all year long, that the Mueller investigation is actually... Maybe it began as one that was going to hit Trump, but it's actually morphed into something else mm. underneath of it. So, this guy, presumably it's the guy, Q is saying that Trump, being the genius that he is, has figured out way back when, when he was just a candidate, that the way to take down the deep state, beginning first with the Democratic establishment, Hillary, for example, would be to pretend that he likes what 
Putin's Russia is doing mm-hmm. in the Middle East mm-hmm. or at home or wherever, in order to trigger claims of Russian collusion against him, mm-hmm. in order that it would force the launch of a special council, mm-hmm. in order that it would actually uncover Hillary's crimes. That's some bodacious foresight there. That's like a chess grandmaster thinking 12 moves it's ahead right there. It's 4D thinking. It's, oh, like, it's like, whoa, dude. dude. It's like set it up. It's like, it's multi, yeah, multi-dimensional. It's like, wow, that that Trump guy is amazing. And, it, it, and he learned, and is this, is this in his, is his book, The Art of the, Art of the Deal? <laughs> How do you think this way? No, because Trump would never publish it because oh. then it would trigger, it would, it would set off the tripwires and they'd be onto him, you see? So mm. he kept it close to his chest all this time. So that's the speculative stuff. But then, I mean, there are also explicit claims that this queue has made. That Clinton, Obama, Podesta, Abedin, and even McCain have already been all been arrested. Ah. And they're all wearing secret police-issued ankle monitors mm. and continue to pretend to have not been arrested ah. so that they continue to play their role properly, Ooh. you see? Actors. Actors. They're actors. Busted wide open. Um, I should go on YouTube. Um, Reminds me of, you remember years back, Nizara? Mm. It was a weird, because it was a, 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 a meme, really, not any one website, but it was kind of a meme that went around mostly in New Age circles, but it, was, it dealt heavily with the political. So, yeah, the world, the US and the world is run by corrupt people, but any day now, they're all going to be in shackles because there's this bunch of good guys over here who are working behind the scenes to get the fu- to get the dirt on them and then get them arrested mm. all in one fell swoop. Any day now, any day now. And it went on for years. Yeah. And it might even be still floating around out there. It strikes me that this kind of thinking, this this process, and, uh, this, you know, that, that it, where people buy into this QAnon guy and what he says – and this idea of a multifaceted, multi-level conspiracy and stuff. It's kind of like, it's true in the sense, and the reason it's attractive is because people who are tuned to that idea, that concept of there being evil powers ruling the world nefariously. And gross injustice. And and, and deceiving people. You know, that is true, let's say. Maybe not not in in the kind of simplistic way uh, that is presented, but obviously people don't have access to the details, so they have to present it in a, in a kind of simplistic way, or they make up a story about it. It's kind of like someone who believes that that's true, that there are evil powers uh, ruling the world uh, to the detriment of humanity. And uh, and so that person tells you that that's what he believes, and then you say, well, can you, can you draw that? Can you draw me a picture of that, please? And he would just free associate and draw the picture of it, and then that's, that's the story, you know? And then somebody else can come along and draw their picture of it, you know. They're all drawing the same thing, which is a very simple idea. But in order to convey it to other people, you know, obviously I kind of picture it. You could do it as an abstract art, I suppose. But in order to write it down, you have to fill in all of the details. And that's where the free association comes in. And it's pure, you know, kind of a lot of it is make-believe, you know. And that's where it gets discredited uh, because you're just making stuff up. And people don't want to just leave it at, you know, the evil globalists are out to get us. Because it's not a very convincing argument. Well, tell me how, who, when, where, why. And then you have to go, well, here's my story. And everybody makes up their own story. Well, and the thing with QAnon, like, I haven't looked into it too deeply, but the few posts that I that I did glance at, it looked like, and I think you, one of you said this earlier, the, the, 
the statements that he makes are so vague that mm-hmm. that it's not even necessarily QAnon making all these claims. He's putting together these little fragments of, of words right. that are then interpreted by other right. people like Jerome Corsi, who then come up with this narrative. So it's like it's twice removed from from right. from whatever's actually going on. So it's not so basically, you know, you, uh, an hypothesis is that you've got this QAnon guy who is himself kind of either for shits and giggles or, you know, maybe he's mentally ill or who knows, is coming up with these kind of... Not mutually exclusive. Right. These, fra- these fragments of, of ideas that kind of play into the, the right wing, um, like conspiracy theorizing that are then expanded on and then all those well so he's filling in deep little details himself just by using these like uh this shotgun approach just throwing little like uh buzzwords out there and then someone else comes along and puts them together in a narrative that then makes sense and so those mm. people are, they're the ones that are free associating and it's like a rorschach right. test they're they're projecting all of the like their you know biggest fears and you know great theories of what's going on into these um like random mm. state that then creates this narrative that is plausible to them because it confirms all of their, um, you know, beliefs about the the evil people on the other side, you know, their enemies. And, but then to, to, to people looking on, in on from the outside, looking in from the outside, it just looks like these people are crazy. I mean, and that's mm. why, and that, that that's why, you know, conspiracy theorists get a bad name is because there's a lot of really bad conspiracy theories where people just make stuff up or just imagine it and put it together into this, this narrative that, I mean, to a certain degree, makes sense of the evidence. I mean, make, whatever little bits of data are getting put into it, it can you can create a story out of it, and that story will make sense internally. But it's just so far out there that um, you know it's unverifiable. And to someone that doesn't even isn't even aware of those few little bits of data, it just looks completely out of left field. So. Um, so there might, there might even be like degrees of, or like little bits of truth in it just because the, like, uh, like, 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 uh, Neil was saying with the, even with just QAnon himself, it's plausible to think that there, there would be government insiders who are pro Trump and would want to do something to help him. So naturally, mm. you know, but then <clears throat> someone, um, like on the left might not even think that like they can't even go that far. And this just mm. looks totally absurd and like fantastical. Um, mm-hmm. So it's just a it's a whole mass of and of course, yeah, and of course the ra- yeah and, and the rationale goes that obviously if it is uh, a Trump insider um, he can't he or she cannot um, be explicit about the secrets because then that would make it clear who the person is and they would no longer be able to continue so they have to do it in this cryptic form see it all makes sense when you mm-hmm. think about it but how that kind of thing would have to play out you can't just drop truth bombs that a bunch of people know inside government know that are in intelligence know that only a certain group of people know. They hone in on you and they find you and, and you get you get in trouble for it or you get neutralized, you get taken out, you dis- get disappeared. Um, so you have to do it in a cryptic way so that it doesn't gain the attention of the intelligence. But you have to, it can't be too cryptic where it's, there has to be some truth in it. You know, So basically what you would get in that scenario following it through, you would get something exactly like these Q, Q mm-hmm. messages, QAnon messages, right? You would get so exactly that. True. You know? 
<laughs> so maybe they're true, Harrison, you know? And and he's a smart guy, obviously, because he, he uses q and and like I said, it's the Department of Energy top secret clearance. And it's um, much of the Department of Energy information at that level of clearance relates to critical nuclear nuclear weapon design information. That's people with, in the Department of Energy with that level of clearance have access to uh, the design of nuclear, nu- nuclear weapons, access to that information, how to design nuclear weapons. Um, but that's smart because he's obviously not in the Department of Energy, but all of the intel agencies are scurrying around the DOE right now looking for this guy, and he's off somewhere else. He's actually Melania Trump. I knew it. The hook, the hook here is <clears throat> that this is someone position who who teed it up by telling everyone first that I'm seated at the right hand side of the Lord President Trump. Or Lord, that, that's that's the hook that this is someone you know top top level, mm-hmm. and thereafter people. But they don't. Even if they even if they hold that maybe skeptically over here a bit, it's so tempting that it's you. You can see how people would would run with it. You know, mm-hmm. would want that to be true. Mm-hmm. Even if they're telling you, oh well, I'm not sure I believe him. But did you see what he said about this? Yep. But that's because that thing is already working on you. The hook's already there. But one of the things he said mm-hmm. is that the Vegas massacre was. An inside job connected to the Saudi Clinton cabal. I mean, right there, we know more about it than he does. So right. what kind of bloody insider is he? Right. On we... balance, I'm not saying you can't keep looking at it for, for fun or whatever, and maybe something interesting come up, but I wouldn't give it too much credence. I would rather rely on my own, on our own ability to figure out stuff, uh, rather than you know having being drip-fed cryptic messages that just send you off in any, any number of, of, of avenues. Um but on balance, if I was, if I had to bet between an insider doing this as it's described by people who believe it, and and someone doing it for the lols, I would have to go with the lols. Mm-hmm. Well, even that uh, the parallel, even just that really what? quick, even even that thing about the Mandalay Bay and the Las Vegas thing, like that that was already going through the you know the right wing alternative media. That the because the Saudis do apparently or own like several floors of the hotel above mm-hmm. above or below I can't remember and and so there was you know all this theorizing going on about oh how may, maybe the Mandalay Bay is covering up because it was really the Saudis and they were involved that was going on in yeah. November mm-hmm. and when did he, he, QAnon he, say this thing yeah. I'm not sure but I, I bet I would bet a million bucks it's since he he's only yeah. picking up on things that have already started to proliferate out there. Exactly, yeah. Um, I can understand people, you know, getting worked up and, and taking sides on the release, the memo thing. Look, that's big. It's loud, and it's got actual bait at at the end of it. That that there may be some actual harm to Hillary. Slash the Democrats, if not imprisonment, but then some kind of comeuppance. You can see why people would really want to get behind that. But this, there's, there's not even any bait. Yeah. It's well, like, it's a bait for conspiracy. It's the same version for conspiracy theorists yeah. as, as what's being offered to the people who want to see Hillary in prison. I mean, this isn't limited to QAnon. This dynamic isn't limited. Obviously, QAnon happens all the time in the alt, in, in the right, right-wing kind of alternative in media. In the internet's. In the, in the in the not just in the internet, but in the right wing alternative media, right. in, in those uh, conservative 
kind of leaning websites. Because uh, I, could, I could do it. I'm going to write an article. Uh, you realize I'm free to write an article based on the current standards on the internet of what passes for and gets spread as legitimate information. I can write an article tomorrow and I can cite, I can, I can say all the things that I would like to be true and I, that I think are true. And I can, but I can tell them, I, I won't present them as this is what I think is true. I will say this is true because an anonymous inside source told me. And there are websites who do, that do that and have done that over the past number of months and, and years. And when they do that, they make these claims based on an anonymous inside source who confirmed that this is the objective truth and then it doesn't happen. People, and that's why it's clickbait. It, you get attention by, by claiming that you have an inside source. People are attracted to that. And it's not limited to QAnon. The media does it all the time. In fact, the mainstream media does it as well. And they, the mainstream media, CNN, claims that uh, an, uh, a security source or an intel, intelligence yeah. source that cannot be named because he's not uh, permitted to speak mm-hmm. says this, right? And they, that may be true. I would say in the case of CNN, they probably don't make it up in the way that other sites do. But it's equally false because what CNN don't do is question whether or not that actual source that they ha- in the intel community is lying to them, which he probably is, because intel agencies lie all the time. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, yeah, what about two minutes on or five minutes on uh, Sir uh, Turk, Turks and Ifrin? Mm. Yeah, what's going on over there? What's the latest? Who's winning? Everyone's losing. Yeah, everyone's losing. That's the impression I get. Um, It's it's tough to know exactly what's going on because, of course, whenever there's a conflict like this, both sides often exaggerate or downplay the numbers. So what seems to have been happening is that, uh, well, what we know, you know, pretty much for sure is that, you know, Turkey didn't invade. They're using Free Syrian Army as pretty much their infantry. Um because the the Turks don't really want to send too many of their own soldiers there. It would be kind of a, um, you know, bad PR at home for them. You know, the the Turks don't want to see a whole bunch of Turkish soldiers dying in Syria. Um, So they're using a lot of free Syrian army. So the Turkish military isn't really, you know, totally up to snuff when it comes to, um, you know, going in there and trying to, you know, win this thing and take back the whole area. Um, but we'll have to see what happens because, um, uh, well, on the numbers, the, the Turks, you know, will claim that, you know, we've killed like 400 ISIS and and Kurdish terrorists in Afrin. And then the like the SDF or the YPG will come back and say, no, they only killed like 20 of our people, but we killed, you know, like 100 Turkish soldiers. And um, I just looked at the uh, a war map of of the area and it looks like they you know the turks have made incursions into about like five little areas on the border um you know basically little little fingernails uh, uh into afrin and uh but well the most so it's hard to know exactly what's going on with the fighting basically there's a lot of you know a lot of bombs a lot of uh fighting going on so mm-hmm. people, are, people are dying we just don't know exactly you know what the well, numbers are or who's who's do, do yeah. we have a kind of final uh, status or, or statement out of the U.S.? I mean, at first it was they were just kind of warning the um, the Turks uh, about uh, the incursion, and then um, 
And then I read somewhere that the, the U.S. was about to give up on the YPG and um, yeah, it's been well. It's it's been the pretty mm. much typical schizophrenic, you know, foreign policy statements coming out of different areas of the, of the U.S. government. So you know, out of one side of their mouth, they'll say, "Oh, you know, Turkey, you gotta rein it in and not do anything," and then to the to the Kurds, they'll say, "Oh, well, basically." Or, or they'll make public statements like, oh, well, we, we stopped giving the Kurds weapons a long time ago. This is, you know, their fight. We're not supporting them. Um, so, yeah, it, it's the U.S. Like, policy, you know. the U.S. policy in, in there seems to be uh, they've settled on basically chaos. Yeah. Uh, they're they're happy. They have trained and have been training the, the Kurds for a long time. So even though they may kind of stop giving them, probably won't. You know, to any significant extent, or they'll keep it drip feeding to them. They have weapons. They've been training them for several years. So they've the, the Kurds are the YPG are a, a significant fighting force type thing. Um, and by by going along the going some way along this road of of um, well of doing that of, of arming and, and training the Kurds and turning them into an effective fighting force and emboldening them in that way for their own Kurdish state. Then uh, they, the Americans probably knew that they were going to that the Turks the Turks have been on record for m- many years throughout the Syrian uh, conflict that uh, that the last thing they would ever accept would be a, a Kurdish state uh, along the um, along in, in northern Syria for obvious reasons the Turks do not want that to happen everybody knew it Americans knew it so it's a <clears throat> it's pretty cynical that they. Uh, that that for them to come out and make the statement or release the statement that they were going to cr- train this thirty thousand strong border force and the intelligence says ah oh, no we didn't but that was uh, it was too late it was a provocation effectively or it seemed like a provocation against uh, uh, and maybe they were going to go along with it but Americans are very sneaky in that way they'll kind of like they'll test the waters you know they'll they'll provoke the Turks in that way say yeah thirty thousand strong uh, Kurdish Kurdish state uh, thirty thousand strong military force establishing effectively or planning to establish a Kurdish state in northern Syria freak the Turks out and then one of the know what the Turks are going to do which is the Turks are going to say well listen we're coming into Afrin to cut cut off to, so you can't have a contiguous state across the top of Syria so and 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 threatening also to go right over the Iraqi border and say you know we're going to stop if we need to go all the way across northern Syria, we will stop this Kurdish state from being formed under an American, under the aegis of the, of the Americans. Uh, and the Americans knew that was going to happen, but they go, okay, when Turkey does that, we'll go, okay, we're not going to fund the Kurds anymore. The Kurds yet again get dumped by an imperial power, which is basically defines their, their whole history, um, through their own hubris and, and, and stupidity. Uh, by, by trusting imperial powers, um, and and yet you've initiated effectively a conflict between Turkey and and the Kurds who are now who have gone far enough along the the road of of, of feeling that we deserve this kind of state here, uh, so they'll continue to fight. I mean, you, you set up the scene basically for chaos, for continued chaos. That's their it's, it's Plan C at this point. You know, it's not Plan B anymore of a Kurdish state. It's Plan C of just mess mess it up. Send conflicting signals. Do a bit of this, and then do the opposite over there. Support the Kurds, then drop them. Tell Turkey we like them, then then do stuff that uh, tell Turkey we're we're your NATO allies. But then do stuff that makes it clear that you're the enemy, or make the Turks think that uh, the Americans are out to get us. Uh, so it's it's really a desperate field policy when you're at the level of just you know wreck the place, you know like try and sow chaos. It's like uh, have, have you ever seen a map <clears throat> showing where the the ethnic Kurds live mm-hmm. in the Middle East. It's basically the shape of Iraq, but it's plonked right on 
Turkey, Iran, <clears throat> Iraq, and Syria. Four borders. I mean, you set that on fire. Mm-hmm. And you've got like a fire that will not go out for <clears throat> generation. Yeah. It's a, it's a beautiful foil for someone who's going to resort to wrecking the place. Yeah. And the Turks, uh, the Turks have their proxy army. And this is, I mean, the Turks came under fire all throughout the, for, for several years about, for, for funding ISIS, right? For being supporting ISIS and letting ISIS fight across the border. It wasn't really, it's too simplistic, you know. That, that melange of, uh, of various different fighting groups was, was very complicated and hard to separate. You know, it's, the, the Russians were t- trying to get the Americans, uh, to, to, for, demanding that the Americans engage in a process of demarbalization which explains exactly the situation. It was marbled together. The whole thing was, who's, who's this group and who's this group and what do they, what do they uh, advocate? What do they want? What do they script on? They were all over the place. You had, the, you had, you had auxiliaries for the, from the Syrian Arab army, from the Syrian government. You had their auxiliaries. You had Turkish auxiliaries called the, uh, Syrian Demo- um, the Free Syrian Army. Then you had ISIS, which was the contingent from uh, Qatar, uh, Saudi Arabia, uh, basically America's proxies. And uh, you even had, you know, some kind of Russian, definitely obviously Iranian proxies there, <clears throat> not just the Republican Guard, but Iranian Shia proxies mm-hmm. force in there. You had also Iraqi Shia proxy forces, and you had uh, Hezbollah. Hezbollah, and you had Russian uh, proxy forces as well, uh, operating unofficially, uh, you know, under the command of the Russians. So pick it out of that. You know, what's there seven or eight there? All technically, you know, you know, one way or another. Islamic forces are fighting for and certain Islamic forces, you know, aligned with them. All different names, changing names and that kind of stuff, you know, so... Um, People changing size. Right. So, you know, Turkey, it's the problem is it gets very complicated when you have these states, national, you know, powers in the region using proxy forces with names that, that those, it's assumed then that those proxy forces have uh, an agenda of their own. Do they? No, probably not because they're controlled by... By by a far, national you know state state government, um, but and the moment they try to go solo, right, and do something sovereign, watch the the funds and the weapons and the access to yeah. food, and, yeah, they disappear. And medical care, they, sh- they shrivel, uh, they shrivel up. Yeah, yeah. So uh, the the Turks have their their uh, free Syrian army forces in in, in that northern part around Ifrin and, and to, up in north of Idlib, uh, Idlib, Idlib province, effectively, in in Syria. Um, so that has to be kind of debated because the Turks rely on them basically to to you know to fight for their for the Turkish agenda, which is basically you know keeping that border uh, free effectively from the Kurds. You know, um, I, I, but, but ultimately the Russians are on board with the Turks. I think the Russians and the Turks and the Iranians are still on on song together, yeah, and yeah. their their common agenda, the common uh, red line for all of them is America can have no influence in, 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 in Syria, in, in northern Syria. America should not have any influence whatsoever. And so the Americans are just... But the Americans are like idiots, you know? It's lost, it's gone, it's over. But America doesn't go away when that happens. America doesn't go home because it's never over. Because America's final agenda is... Well, the premise, the whole point is that America shouldn't be there in the first place. And it kind of knows it. So if America gets beaten in a foreign part of the world, that it... That it wanted to gain some access in, <clears throat> you know, its, its actual original agenda is defeated and it cannot achieve that in the way that it wanted. That doesn't mean that America goes home. America still has a win situation where you just so chaos. You wreck it. If I, it's kind of like, if I can't have it, nobody can. Uh, or I'll so chaos 
uh, while I come up with a new plan or see what happens after the you know as a result of the chaos that I saw. So America is in there and it'll be funding this group, you know, send one thing to this group, send one to another, giving weapons to one group, then taking them away, you know, basically, you know, playing with people and manipulating people across the board because that is an agenda and a strategy in itself for America. And pretty much what we're seeing should not be there. And Joe, I just wanted to say pretty much what we're seeing in Ukraine as well. Right. Uh, I mean, the the situation has gone from bad to worse. And um, uh, as, as someone recently commented, uh, you know, we've been, we just decided to send them these javelin weapons, but uh, we're not sending them any, any aid. Uh, their right. economy is going down the tubes. So, you know, th- that's just going to be blamed at some later point on the Russians again. Right. And, yeah, uh, disaster. And, it's kind of disaster capitalism, you know, it's a uh, shock doctrine stuff, you know, that's, that's mm-hmm. well known, you know, and the shock doctrine agenda is basically, you don't go in and try and do something specific, you know, build up your forces and take control of a country. Uh, you actually just wreck it. You sow chaos. You want chaos. You want fighting, competing parties in that country to fight with each other for as long as possible. You want to set people against each other. You know, you stand back, throw a match in, and then wait for it all to see what comes out of it. You never know. You might get something out of it, so it's worth the, worth the option, right? And of course, all the time, as long as you're still there, you're still dropping bombs which means you're still getting money for your defense contractors. War is a racket, as the book says, uh, and that holds true. Ultimately, there is that's the sad thing, is that people try and approach this from this kind of like a judicious study of the situation, as if from a rational point of view, from a, from a naive point of view, as Karl Rove accused everybody in the world, basically, of, of, of engaging in. But they're stupid. You're stupid. You don't realize. You think that there's something in conflict and wars between powers and stuff, that there's something to be gained, that someone's going to win and someone's going to lose. You don't realize that war in itself is the goal. That's where you get pro- you get You're assured of profits and benefits from simply having some kind of conflict. Doesn't, you don't have to win it. It's not about winning necessarily. It's having the conflict. Provided your home territory is safe. As long as you are the island nation separated from most of the rest of the world by two great oceans, and from there you can launch your bullshit, catapult your bullshit. Alrighty. Will we leave it there then? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Okay, so that's the end of this week's show. Thanks Uh, for listening. Thanks for listening. Hi to all the chatters. You are great again. Thanks to Stephen for calling. We'll be back next week with another show. Until then, have a good evening. See you next week. Bye, all. Take care, everyone.